0: today. Thanks for every day. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you are alive again and you reign. And, And Lord, there is reality to the resurrection and there's power in resurrection. There's hope. And Lord, the empty tomb brings us life. And so this morning, I, your servant, humble myself and just use me as your vessel. Let me let me get your word out the way you want it and let it be a life changing experience today for us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So so the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus was a real thing. And not only is it historically, not only is it proven, but it is a great event. And, and we're, what a great day. There's family, you're off work, there's going to an Easter egg hunt, there's all that good stuff. But today, the meaning of Easter is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, which is still available to us today. Amen? And so, Matthew, I'm going to just read this, I'm not going to read all, but Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 45. Matthew 27, 45. It says this, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out. Of course, he's on the cross, if you know the the, the account of this. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of them standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The, the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is awesome. Check this out. At, the moment, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tomb after and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Can you imagine this? So Jesus is on the cross, he's giving up his ghost as, as what it would say. And he says, It is finished. And and finally after he dies, the earth shakes. People who are dead now come to life. You see, there's power in the resurrection of Jesus. So then if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter twenty eight, verses one through seven. Matthew twenty eight, one through seven. Verse 1, Matthew 28, after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was, check this out, another earthquake. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So here they come to see Jesus. They come to, to prepare, and then they find out that he's, he's not there. He is alive. You see, He is the only person of faith, of of, of founding of a faith, that is not in the tomb. You can go to all these founders of other religions and they're still buried in their tomb, even if it's a decayed body. Jesus was dead, then He came alive because of the power of God in His life, to give us life. And so this morning, friends, the resurrection power of Jesus can still change our lives, can still help us, can still affect us. And so I want to talk about that just for a few moments. Are you ready? So the first thing is this. Number one, restoration. Christ's resurrection brings us restoration. Say restoration. restoration. No longer are we under the curse of sin. You heard most of the songs talking about that all of us are going to die. We're all going to die, right? One out of one people die. Right? Did you know that? Ten out of people, ten out of ten people die. One hundred out of one hundred people die. But you see, Jesus died and came back to life. So check this out. Acts 13. 36 to 39 says, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, meaning he died, and he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But check this out. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. You see, every person will die. Every person has died. There's been a few people in biblical accounts that have not died, but the rest of us have to die. And so no matter what we do, we're going to die. You don't need to fear death. You see, the resurrection power brings restoration and brings hope because we're all going to die, but you don't need to fear death because you will be alive with Jesus in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Come on, that's awesome. You see, even now, scientists are futilely futilely, working to keep man alive eternally. Guess what? It's never worked. And guess what? It's never going to work. Because on you somewhere is a stamp. I don't know when, but it says you're born, and then one day you're going to pass away. And you see, the hope of the resurrection is you are restored not just to die and, and not live again eternally, but now, through Christ, you can be alive eternally. Isn't this awesome? You see here, Hebrews 9 says this, 27, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Because of the curse of sin and death, we will die. But, because of Jesus' life, we can have life eternally. So that you don't have to fear death. Okay, Pastor, that's exciting. I'm really excited about that. Well, it is exciting because Jesus can remove the curse of death. We're all cursed to die, but you don't have to fear death because Jesus came to give you and I life. Hebrews 2.14 says that Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death, He might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And check this out, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, the resurrection brings restoration of hope and knowing that when we do die, and when you do accept Christ as your Savior, you will live eternally with Him in heaven. You will not be separated from Him. Isn't that awesome? So the second part of the restoration is that we're no longer under the curse of sin. We're no longer under the curse of sin. You see, the Bible states that no matter what you think, and you can be as mad as me as you want, you can try to explain it because you have a 500 IQ, and I have, I don't know how many IQ I have. But you see, sin is sin, and what sin is, is rebellion to God. And every person on this earth has sinned. Okay, whether you believe it or not, here's what the Bible says, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does the word all mean? All, everyone, okay? Wait a minute, Pastor Stan, I don't believe in sin, therefore I can't sin. That's fine if you don't believe that, but the truth is still the truth, no matter what you might label it. Sin is sin. Sin is rebellion, okay? So how many banks would it take a person to rob, to, rob, to be called the bank robber? Once. How many sins would it take to make a person a sinner? One. Well, Again, Pastor Stan, I, I you don't got me there because I... I don't believe in sin. That's fine. That's fine that you don't believe in it. But the truth is the truth. It's like calling the sun the moon. Or calling the sun water. It's still the sun. It still has the same effect every day. And so sin is still the same no matter what you label it. Whether you believe in it or not. But you see, here's what the Bible says. It says that the penalty of sin or rebellion to God is death and eternal separation. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome? You see, so Christ's resurrection came to free us from the curse of sin as well. Christ came to set us free. I know this is a long set of scriptures right here, Romans 5, 6 and 11, but I'm going to read it to you. For you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that awesome? Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You see, once we were enemies, but now we are friends of God. Isn't this exciting? We've received reconciliation. The resurrection was not just a one-time event, but the resurrection brings us forgiveness of sins today. This is exciting. This is awesome. So the next part of the reality of the resurrection under restoration is resurrection power brings healing. Resurrection power brings healing. Isaiah 53, verse five. I'm going to read it out of the out of the New King James. I like this, and I think I have it in the NLT. But it, it brings healing. It says, "But he speaking of, talking about Jesus' prophecy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement." For our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Says, so, But we, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. You see, what Jesus did on the cross was not only did he die for our sins, but he died to give us life and to give us healing. We, we still believe, this church still believes, as many a churches that believes that God can still heal bodies. We, many of us this room have seen people healed. We've seen restoration. We've seen healing of relationships, healing of minds, healing of spirits. And you see, because of the power of the resurrection, you and I today can be healed physically. We can be healed mentally, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and relationally. We can receive healing because that's the power of the resurrection. Why? Because it says in Isaiah 53 that by His wounds, by His stripes, we are healed. And see, healing is not just a a mental thing, but it's a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. That's the power of the resurrection. A lot of times we see Jesus on the cross, we hear about him, we we hear the historical account, but we think it's just a story. But it was true. And the power of Jesus has been healing people since that that time, even until he'll come again. This is the power of the resurrection. You see, Easter reminds us of the healing power that's available. Romans 8.11. Check this out. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. You see, that living power is still available for us today. So the resurrection brings restoration and it brings healing. Isn't that awesome? The second thing I want to talk about this morning, you hope you're doing good, is the resurrection brings relief. Relief. You see, this is awesome. It brings you relief from guilt and condemnation. We all know what guilt is. We all know what condemnation I can think of a, a time when I was a little boy and my dad, of course, my mom and dad worked all day and, and I would, you know, it's kind of dangerous sometimes just off here, leaving your kids home alone for eight hours. Especially boys. And so, so my dad. I loved it. He had all kinds of tools and all kinds of stuff and all these things. And and he, you know, as I got older, he said you can you can you can play, you can work with these tools, but don't mess with these tools, right? Remember, those, some of you remember that. And he said, now don't mess with the paint stuff over here. You know. So guess what I did? I did when he was gone at work. I was messing around with the tools he told me not to mess around with. And I went, In fact, one day this was. There was these grasshoppers in our backyard. This is in Colorado. And there was a spray paint. I said, what would happen if I spray painted grasshoppers? <laughs> what would happen to these things? So they're all over the place. I, I was an artist that day. What could I say? And so, so these grasshoppers, they're hopping all over them. You know, I'm spraying them in the dirt. And then a few of them start getting up on the fence. I'm spraying them. I'm getting carried away. <laughs> Guess what? Nine-year-old boy doesn't always think this through. There's an outline of a grasshopper. But there's these, like, stripes of bluish aqua paint all along the wooden fence. So guess what? I'm looking at the watch. It's three-something. Oh, Dad's coming home at five. There's tools in the garage. So I go, and I get some tools, and I'm trying to scrape. And I'm scraping, and I think, and I, get, I, get all the, I, think I get the paint off. And so guess what? I go in. My dad never knows, but guess what? At dinner time, I'm so guilt-ridden. Because I disobeyed what my dad said. I knew he didn't see it. Maybe he didn't see it. I never got in trouble for that thing. But there were other things. But you see, my dad, he didn't know. But guess what? I knew I disobeyed my dad. Well, that's a big deal. You you fixed the fence. But I disobeyed my dad. And I was in guilt. In fact, I was so nervous that I was like, you know, pass the bread. said, sure, dad. Anything you want. Do you want some butter with that? I mean, I was like nervous, you know. And I'm like, because I was guilt-ridden. I was condemning myself. You see, that's what sin does to you and I. It put, you, God does see all things. He may not deal with you right away, but you are guilt-ridden. You're, you're living in condemnation. And the devil, the enemy of our souls, is always telling you, you're a loser. Look what bad things you've done. Look how horrible you are. But here's what Jesus does. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, there, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because... Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, when you do sin, the Bible is very clear. It says that if you confess your sins, Jesus will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of your unrighteousness. And so if I would just have asked my dad, say, Dad, I blew it. I messed up. I asked forgiveness. And my dad was a kind man. He would discipline when he needed to. But he would have simply said, I forgive you, son. Or he said, don't do it again. But he said, I would have forgiven you. You see, God the Father is waiting in heaven for you to say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. And he says, I will forgive you. And once, once you ask for forgiveness, that guilt and that condemnation is gone. But the problem is, this, if you never ask Jesus to be the Lord, or you never ask God the Father for forgiveness, you're living in guilt and condemnation all the time. And it's a terrible life. Amen? Come on, we all do it. We've all tried it. And you see, what the resurrection does, it brings life and it relieves us from guilt and condemnation. And I find it interesting because I have family and I know some people that are atheists and, and they're so angry at God and they say they don't believe in God, but yet they're always trying to disprove God. Isn't that interesting? If you don't believe in God, then why do you try to disprove Him? You know why? Because they're guilt probably. They're in their mind saying, there is a God, but I don't believe in Him. You're not there, God, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this stuff. I'm going to write these books about you because in the back of their mind, they know there is a God. I find that interesting, right? If if you didn't believe there's a God, then why are you always trying to disprove Him? That's like saying there's no sun, and you're trying to disprove the sun all the time. But it comes up every day. It goes down, right? Why is that? Because there's this missing link. There's this maybe guilt, maybe condemnation, maybe, I don't know what it is. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. You see, God didn't come to send Jesus to condemn us, but He came to free us. And too many people come to church thinking I'm of such a bad person. Will God forgive me? The answer is yes. If you ask for forgiveness, you will be forgiven. And your mind and your soul can be free. You see, I go to sleep every night unless I've done some bad stuff I, and I repent. I don't live this. I'm not, I'm not like a crime. You know, I'm not out robbing banks and I'm not out stealing kids candy, you know, the night before Easter. I don't live that lifestyle. But when I do make mistakes, when I do sin, I say, God, forgive me. And I go to sleep guilt free every night. I don't wake up having to drink, to, to, I don't wake up having to take drugs so I can push my guilt away. You see, Jesus doesn't give you bad hangovers. He gives you freedom. Amen. This is part of the resurrection of life through Jesus Christ. Amen? Relief. Isn't that awesome? The next thing is relief from bondage and Satan. John 10, 10 and 11 says this with a thief, speaking of Satan. Comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, my friends, the resurrection of Christ frees us from the enemy of our souls. And some may say, well, you know, who is the enemy of our souls? The devil. The devil. You say, well, Pastor, Sen, I don't believe in the devil. And that's fine because he's glad that you don't believe in him. But look what his work is doing. I can't blame everything on him. But if you look in our world today, you will see what the devil has done. Some of you may have seen the devil. Some of you don't believe in the devil. But he is out. The Bible's very clear. He is out to destroy mankind. That's why nations fight each other. That's why people kill each other. That's why we still, that's why we try to hurt other people. That's the work of the devil in people's lives. I mean, you just have to turn on the news and read the newspaper or go to the internet. But you see, Jesus says, I can break that bondage in your life. That you no longer have to be a slave to him. Isn't this awesome? This is what the resurrection of Jesus does for us. By accepting the love of Jesus, by accepting him as your savior, you can be freed of Satan's control. You see, all of us are under control of something, but Jesus wants to set you free. Check this out. This scripture is a little long, I know. Colossians two twelve says this. Having been buried with Him, when you accept Christ, in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Check this out. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, when Christ died on the cross, He nailed your sins up there. And then when He was buried, and then when He was resurrected, He said, no longer, if you accept Me as your Savior, no longer are you a slave to sin. No longer are you under control of the enemy of our souls. No longer... As long as you accept my life. And you see, this is what the resurrection does. It brings us relief from guilt and condemnation. And it brings us relief from bondage and Satan. Isn't that awesome? This is what Easter is all about. The third thing. The third thing. Easter brings us real life. Real life. Remember I just read in John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come to give life and give it to the full or abundant. You see, the, the letter A it says, you can have the abundant life. Now, sometimes you might think, well, gee, I, I could use a million dollars. I could use no problems. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, in all that, whether you have a, a, a $10 million bill or you have $10 million in the bank, you can have real life. You can have an abundant life, knowing that there is a, a life, there is, there is purpose in your life, there is Jesus in your life. Isn't this exciting? This means an, a, a blessed life by God. It doesn't mean you'll never have problems But if you remember on the empty tomb video, the empty video, it says that Jesus will be with you forever. Matthew 28.10 says this, Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And having this abundant life, you will realize that having Jesus in your life is life. It brings life, it brings hope, it brings abundance. And your life will have reason, it'll have purpose. You'll no longer just get up in the morning, why do I exist, why am I here? Oh, I I can't stand this life. It'll get to the point that you'll say you'll love life. You'll actually like getting up. Sometimes going to work not as fun, but you'll still enjoy life. Amen? This is part of Jesus Christ coming into our lives. And we'll begin to see what we have in God and not always what we don't have. This is the abundant life. And with Jesus, you'll begin to see that He is the most important thing in your life. Him. He is life. The word is life. God is life. And so the resurrection power of Jesus brings real life. It brings the abundant life. And the second part of that, I kind of mentioned this, is the resurrection power will give you real purpose and direction. You see, earlier, remember I said Satan's power is broken. You will no longer be a slave to him. now God frees you through the resurrection to be who he made you to be. If you've ever come to our church and you'll hear me say that God has created every person for a purpose. And every one of you have dreams and desires that are waiting to get out. Some of you are living them. Some of you are not. But what the resurrection does, it says that dream, that desire, that's the, your passionate desire. We've been talking about that thing that you want to do the most, wants to come out. And Jesus says, I, now I can free you to be that. Exactly. Satan says, you're not that, you're this. And he tries to get you in bond. He tries to make, he really tries to kill you. You see, there, there, how many of you are like into science? How many know what a virus is? Bacteria. How many just don't care, Pastor? That's great. There's this crazy. There's this crazy virus. This this is crazy. You got, some of you Google, people, you're going to go online right now. What is this? I don't remember the name of the virus, but there's this virus that it gets into the. It's a parasite. I'm sorry, it's a parasite that gets in. A virus can be a parasite, but it's not always. It's a parasite that gets into these grasshoppers or these crickets. These crickets in the brain. And what happens is this, this parasite gets into the brain of this cricket, and it makes the cricket want to hop to the water and drown itself. And so the cricket doesn't want to do that, but, but this parasite begins to take over this cricket, and this cricket becomes in bondage. And its purpose is no longer to live and eat and destroy your crops and your garden, but to cri- and chirp and, and, and keep you up at night. Now this cricket wants to go drown itself in this water because this parasite can only breed in the water and multiply. Gross, isn't it? You see, Satan is like that parasite. He grabs you and he says, Destroy yourself, because if I destroy you, then you can't have life. But you can be like Jiminy Cricket and have life, and you can be free. Did you, Pastor, did you just, did you just say that I'm a cricket? No, well, I'm just using an example of a parasite. You see, the parasite is Satan and sin, but Jesus came to give you life with purpose. That's what the resurrection power does like already some of you are on the phone googling what is that parasite. Give me give me till Tuesday and I'll find it for you again as as I hear it again. But you see Jesus gives us purpose and direction. Not only do we have hope but we have direction. No longer do we say what is the purpose of life? Now we live life to its full. That's what John 10:10 10, 10 says, you can live life to the full. This is what the resurrection power does. And even check this out, even when bad things happen, God can work them out. Romans 8.28 says this, For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have, who have been called according to His purpose. So bad things can happen in your life, God can bring good out of that. I don't know how He does it, but He's God. If He can raise Jesus from the dead, then He can bring good in your life. Amen? Amen. We're getting down to the end. The next thing, number four, is the restoration and, and healing and, and the power of resurrection brings relationship, not religion. Now, some of you are going to get offended. Some of you aren't going to stand this. But let me talk about this for a second. You see, there's a lot of stuff done in the name of religion that's been very bad in our world. And and I've had people tell me, Pastor Stan, religion is the bane of all society. And I say, I agree with you. They're like, what? Because they're trying to attack me. They're trying to attack my faith in Jesus. And I say, you know what? I agree with you. Religion can be such a destructive thing. And it causes people to do hateful things. But I said I don't have religion I have a relationship with Jesus. And so that's what this is religion is destructive. Now please don't come at me trying to blow me up cuz I mean if I if I die I go to heaven I'm free man I, I don't worry about that. But you see, the religion of man only condemns us. It only shows us our guilt. It only shows us how bad we are. It only shows us how we can never reach heaven. If you, if you look at the religions of the world, they're always doing these rules and regulations. You have to do these certain things to get to this certain height just so that maybe you'll hope to get to heaven one day. It's destructive. And then, of course, then, then religions make people like blow other people up or destroy other people I mean, or do all these crazy things. And that's not God. Let me put that on notice to you. That is not God. That is people serving religion. Do you understand this? Whether, whether they're Christians, Jews, Muslims, whatever they are, if they're out to destroy you, that's the work of Satan. That is not the work of God. And if you look at the religions in the world, they seem to cause a lot of problems. Now, some religions do good things, but God does greater things. Relationships. So, so religions can be destructive. In fact, the Bible states that by living by the laws of religion will only condemn us. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law or religions. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. You see, religion just shows you how bad you are. But Jesus can set you free of that. Isn't that awesome? Galatians 2.16 Know that a man or woman or person is not justified by observing religion or the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, but by observing the uh, because by observing the law, excuse me, no one will be justified. So, so religion will not justify you. A relationship with Jesus will set you free. So the second part of that is this. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. There are religious Christians. There are religious churches that call themselves Christians and they do a lot of harm. But there's a lot of churches that aren't. You see, a lot of times I hear, I hear sometimes Christians mumbling about, oh, you know, the, the church would be a good place if it weren't for all the Christians. That's why God created the church. For all of us imperfect people to know Jesus. Because if, there is no perfect church. Amen? But Jesus comes to make us life and He comes to have a, a friendship and a relationship with us. John fifteen fourteen says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, check this out. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, God wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to have a relationship. He doesn't want you to serve rules. He wants you to know Him. But wait a minute, Pastor Stan. I just noticed that if I obey what He commands, that's a set of rules. It's because this. He wants to. You to have a childlike relationship, and as you get older, it becomes an adult relationship. And as a child, I wanted to please my mom and dad. And as I got older, I I began to respect my mom and dad. And and as I got older, they're still my parents, but they were my friends as well. Now they're in heaven. But you see, what happens is God moves us from a childlike faith to an adolescent faith, to to a young adult, to an adult mature, where now we are co-heirs with God. Now we are friends with God. Not only we, we obey Him because we love Him, but we have His nature. And I still hear, like, my aunts, on the seat, they'll say, man, you look and sound like your dad. Because I was offspring. And so when you become a Christian and you begin to hang out with Christ, you begin to look and sound like Christ. You take on His nature. You're not following laws, but you begin to care what He cares for. And it changes who you are. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. Amen? So the restoration of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, brings us faith. It brings us power. Check this out: John eight thirty six. You can be free of religion, so you can be free. John eight thirty six. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians five one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery, by those old things that you used to do. Don't let that burden you anymore. Isn't that awesome? The the third thing, this is awesome, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, is this, because I'm getting down to the end, is Jesus brings real relationships. Jesus brings real relationships. Jesus can make your relationships with others more meaningful and lasting. Christ changing you can change your relationships. You see, in my relationships, I don't go to relationships saying, what can they do for me? I go to relationships saying, what can I do for them? And I don't expect anything back from you. And, I, and I, lo- I mean, I have some good relationships that are non-Christian, but my best relationships are with Christian people. I mean, I'm always trying to build relationships outside of the church because I want to be Christ-like. I want people to know Jesus. And, and there are some people that are Christians I don't hang around with. Because, you know, some of you are like, you know, right? We clash. So guess what? You know what you need to do? Stay away from them. Allow God to mature you. Allow God to mature them. Find people that you have a, an affinity towards. Nothing wrong with that. But always look out to reach people. But you see, Christ in your life can allow you to have real relationships. Not religious. See, I have some friends that are of this religious group in a place that I used to live. In, and their friendships are always there watching each other. Oh, Christian was out shopping on Sunday because they weren't supposed to go shopping on Sunday. Ooh, Lynn was eating lunch at a restaurant. They're not to... And so that's not a relationship. That's religion. You see, because I really, I, like, I could care less if he's shopping. I hope he's at church on Sunday morning. I hope. I hope Lynn's eating after service, but if she goes, that's her thing. I'm not there keeping the rules. I'm there to be real to them. And you see, Jesus in my life, hopefully, and can, allow us to have real relationships with other people. Amen? They, and get, just get rid of all this religious I'm perfect, because there's no perfect person except for Jesus. Man, you can go talk to my family about my faults. Talk to some of my close friends. They know my faults. But, but it's not that I don't care. I want God to help me. But I don't have to have this fake, animal. you know, Oh, Pastor Stan, walking on water. No, I don't walk in water, man. I, I sink sometimes. In fact, I can't walk in water. And so you, with real realness in your life in Jesus, you don't have to be fake. You can be real. That doesn't mean you have to be obnoxious. But you can still be real. Amen. The last thing, this is, this is a very powerful, all of this is very powerful, but here's the last thing that the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection does, is redemption from the last judgment. Redemption from the last judgment. First Peter 1, three through 3-5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through, check this out, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into inheritance, check this out, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, God's inheritance never fades, it never perishes. In fact, it's kept in heaven. Did you know that most people, when they receive inheritance, it's spent within the the nine months of the person that they received it from. Or they lose it, or, or, or gets it gets robbed from. You see, the treasure in heaven, this inheritance, this eternal life, is in heaven. It's waiting for you, so that when you do pass away, you will be with God forever, and you will not be judged. You see, here's the thing, Romans. We will all stand before God one day. Letter A is Romans fourteen twelve says this. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. You see, every person who who's come before you and who is going to come, and those alive today. Every one of us are going to stand before God, whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So you have a choice today. You have a choice today. You can choose which place. There are two judgments in the Bible. One's not really a judgment. One is what's called the Bema Seat where where the the believers in Christ who obeyed Christ are going to receive their rewards. And then on the other side, there's going to be this judgment called the Great White Throne Judgment where those who did not accept Christ, their sins will be judged against them and unfortunately they'll be cast in the lake of fire because they chose to rebel. So before you die, before you breathe your last, last breath, you have a choice today to choose which one of these places you go. I hope you're going to pick the Bema Seat. The judgment seat of Christ or the reward of Christ and not the great white throne judgment. Because you see, those who who stand at the great white throne judgment, again, they're going to stand before the Lord. You can look it up in Revelation. It says that the books will be opened and everything against them will be held against them. The Bema Seed, on the other hand, the good thing about this, it says says that our lives will be revealed, but we will be rewarded for our walking in our faith. We will receive our inheritance. Isn't that awesome? Which cannot perish. So I'm hoping... That you will make your decision today. I'm hoping you'll say, you know what, I don't want to stand in rebellion. Wait wait a minute, Pastor Daniel. I thought you said Jesus brings life and he doesn't send people to hell. He doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell by disobeying God. You can see, God is just. He is fair. He can't say one thing. Well, Pastor Daniel, it's okay if you do this, but it's not okay for Shelley to do this. God is a just and loving, fair God. So this morning, I hope you make your choice. The choice is yours. I hope you make the choice to say, you know what? I want to accept Christ. I want the resurrection power in my life. I want to know that when I die, I'm going to receive an inheritance that never passes away. Because, you see, friends, you and I, this world is temporary. We don't know how many years we might. You might have another hundred years. You might have ten years. You might have ten minutes. I'm not trying to scare you. But I'm just saying, don't leave this room today without making that choice. Make the good choice. Accept the ways of Christ. Accept the salvation of Jesus. Amen? Will you make the choice? Will you experience the resurrection power and the realness of it and the reality of it? Would you stand with me this morning? You see, you and I can experience real life because of the real resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the real resurrection brings all those things. Relief, restoration. It brings real life. It brings joy. It brings purpose. It brings power. It brings all these things. And it brings us redemption from the last judgment. And you see, that's why Christ came, so that you could have a relationship, so that you would not be judged in your sins. This is what Christ is. John 14, 6, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, there is only one way to heaven, and His name is Jesus Christ. It may say, it sounds exclusive or or seclusive, but Jesus is God. He is the only way. My question for you and I is, will we accept the realness of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ today? Will we allow the resurrection power to come into us? So I'm asking this, and we're here to help you. We want you, if you've never made this decision, to find the Christ, to accept His love, to be forgiven of your sins, to receive hope and restoration and redemption and relief from guilt. Isn't that awesome? You can do that by simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. You see, some of you in this room, remember I talked about that little painting of grasshoppers and the guilt, the condemnation. Some of you in this room are under guilt and condemnation. And God says, through Jesus, I can set you free of that. Just ask and confess your sins before me, and I can forgive you, and I can cleanse you of unrighteousness, and I can make you whole through Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you need healing, some of you need restoration. This is what the resurrection is about. So I'm going to ask you, just for the privacy of those around you, would you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment, just for a moment? close your eyes and bow your heads just for the privacy of those around you. And you hear, you've, maybe you've heard about this resurrection. Maybe you've heard about this Jesus and His ways. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is the first time. If you want to experience the power of Christ's resurrection and you want to make Him the Lord of your life, and you want to be free of guilt and sh- shame and sin and, and, and religion. And you want a relationship with Christ. And you've never done this before. Your eyes closed. Your head's bowed. Would you just do two things if you've never done this and you want to accept this. Would you raise your hand and just look at me. Say, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I've never done it before. Raise your hands up. No one else looking around. Just, I see the hands. Alright, go ahead and put your hands down. Father, let, I, I see those hands and I pray for, for them right now. I would pray it now and I'm asking all of you to do this. Would would everyone repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I accept your resurrection power. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. Free me of guilt, of condemnation. Heal me in my mind, in my body, and in my spirit. I give you my life. I accept your life.